Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So, let's pray. Father, we just uh, we thank you for bringing us here today on this very rainy Sunday. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just bringing us together and blessing us, Father. We, uh, we're all going through our trials and tribulations and tough times, and we thank you that in those times we can come together and be blessed by your word and be comforted and healed and saved and delivered and freed and, um, and, and encouraged. Father, I thank you for this message that you prepared through me today. I thank you that you speak through my mouth. You think through my mind. I pray illumination, revelation, inspiration by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can take your seats, by the way. <laughs> so before I get into the message, let's just have a little review of last week. As you all, last week, PD preached about how to become a student of the master teacher. And uh, I, listen, I actually listened to it a couple times last week, like oh, during the course of the week. I usually do anyway, because everybody knows I do the media stuff, so um, I have to listen to it. But I will listen to it anyway, even though I didn't have to, but even more so because I have to. But uh, yeah, it was a really good message. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it again. So who can name the six steps that PD brought last week without looking at your phones? <laughs> I'll help you guys out. The first one was become aware of him and acknowledge him at all times. Anybody got a second one? Okay, you can look at your phone. <laughs> Anybody remember the second one? Or you have the second one written down? Okay, fellowship with the Holy Spirit daily through conversations and prayers. Okay, um, the third one. All right, ask the Holy Spirit to help you think to learn, to live, and to discover God's plan, right? I'll just go through the other three. Um, look to him to guide you. Fill yourself up with the word of God. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The word is your textbook, and the world is your classroom. I thought that was a, like a great illustration of what how we should think of the Holy Spirit. And the last one was dream with the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Think big thoughts, pray big prayers, do big things. Um, so... In light of last week, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's our helper. There's a whole bunch of other adjectives in the Bible that um, Jesus calls him and, um, and Paul calls him. He's the most important person on the earth. Um, Dr. Miles Monroe had a book a few years ago, probably 2010, I want to say. It's called The Most Important Person on the Earth. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should get it. I don't know how much it is now on Amazon. I do everything on Kindle. But um I, when I bought it back then, it was like $10, so it can't be much more than that. And in the book, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth, and he's also the most ignored. He talks about how the Holy Spirit, um, like Jesus is, is not on the earth anymore. Everybody know that, right? Jesus ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not here anymore. The only person that's still here of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit, right? So he is the most important person important person on the earth, but he's also the most ignored. When we pray, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, but we kind of leave the Holy Spirit out. Like, like PD said last week, we're supposed to acknowledge him just as we acknowledge Jesus and we acknowledge God, but we don't. We always, it's just Jesus and God, Jesus and God. But the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our helper. He's our teacher. How do you not acknowledge your teacher? 
How do you not acknowledge your, your comforter? How do you not, when in a time of trouble, how do you not look to your helper, right? You look to, you look past him, you look to Jesus, you look to God. But that the word says that he's supposed to be with us forever. Um, actually, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 14, uh, 16. John, John chapter 14, verse 16. And it says, John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice in this, helper is capitalized. In my Bible, anyway. Helper is capitalized. What does that mean, right? Pronouns, people. That means that's his name. He's called helper. That's his name. He's not, it's not just a title. That's his name. That's who he is. He's the helper. Right? He is the helper. He's not just a helper. He's the helper. If I ask Cleve to help me, he's a helper, little h. And in the Bible, and Jesus calls him the helper with a capital H. Right? Um, and it says, he will be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Right? So Jesus is talking about how this is before he ascended into heaven, before he was crucified. He's telling the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm going away. And they were kind of like, well, I mean, if, you're been, if you've been with Jesus for the last three years and then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going away. You probably had that, that look on your face, too. Like, what? Where are you going? Like, I can't do this without you. Like, where are you? I need you here. So he's saying, I will be I, I won't be with you forever, but I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, my spirit, to be with you forever. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your guide. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be all those things that we say, right? So he's speaking to the disciples. He's telling them, I will be with you forever. Uh, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. And so uh, if you jump down to verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, right? So right there again. They're, they're perplexed because they're like, where are you going? Why are you leaving us? And then he's saying, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan without the father, right? I'm going to send somebody to be with you always, somebody to walk with you and guide you the same way that I did, right? So a lot of people in the world, I mean, not in the world, I'm sorry, a lot of Christians are like, oh, you know, um, especially new believers, it's always like, oh, I wish I could have lived in the times of the disciples, right? Because they got to walk with Jesus. They got to see his miracles. They got to see what Jesus did. They got to learn from Jesus. But we have that. We got the Holy Spirit. He's, he's the same as Jesus. As a matter of fact, and uh, oh, let me go to it because I don't want to get ahead of myself. But in um, John, let's, let's jump to John 16. John chapter 16. Um, John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus talking for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, again, we're seeing that Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. He's declaring he only will declare the things that God has told that Jesus and God has told him to speak. So. When people say, oh, well, I wish I could have walked with Jesus, that's nice, but guess what? I, I still walk with Jesus. I walk with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right? So in light of that, that was more, more or less the review from last week. <laughs> I'm going to talk today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? How do, you, how do you get the Holy Spirit in you and walk with him and be with him? PD touched on that a little bit last week about 
being in the classroom with a master teacher, I'm going to talk about the actual baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can get into the classroom, right? Everybody got to enroll, right? You enroll when you go to college, you enroll in your classes, same thing, right? So uh, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is just simply the evidence of, or the meta, actually the meta, well, how do I say it? It's the manifestation of God's power in you um, through the Holy Spirit, right? So um, let's go to... Let's go to Luke 24, Luke 24, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 24, verse 9, 20, verse 49. Yes, Luke 24, 49. Let's see who's faster. My computer's faster than you guys. <laughs> so it says, this is Jesus again. Behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, again, Jesus, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. Um, at this point, he's already resurrected. He's already, you know, died on the cross. He's been resurrected, and he's speaking to them. As we know, he went around for, I believe it was 30 days, showing himself after the resurrection. Um, and so he's speaking to the disciples, and he says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father. Remember, back in John, he said the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit, right? So he says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city, or another translation says, but stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is telling the disciples, don't do anything until you receive this power. Don't do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So what exactly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So let's go to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, verse five, I believe it is. Actually, no, it might be Acts chapter two. I'll tell you in a second when I get there. Uh, actually, we'll do Acts chapter 1 first, and then I'll go to chapter 2. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So again, Jesus is telling them, you got to receive this Holy Spirit. You got to receive the power that is from me, right? Before you can do anything, before you can be a witness to anyone, I need you to receive the power because I you need that comforter. You need somebody to walk with you because you can't do this by yourself. So if we go to Acts chapter two, the, the disciples listened. They went to Jerusalem. We know that we know of it as the day of Pentecost, the upper room. Some people call it right. So we jump down to Acts chapter two, verse. Actually, we could just start from verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly they came from heaven. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And divided tongues of fire, oh, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? So, right there, we see that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, one of the things I, I found interesting when I was reading this and I was studying for this message was that. A lot of the times we see the Holy Spirit manifested in different ways, right? Jesus talks about him as being water. He talks about the Holy Spirit as being water. And another scripture, when Jesus, after Jesus baptized, he says, they say, like, uh, he came down gentle like a dove. It didn't actually say he looked like a dove, but it said he came down upon Jesus gentle like a dove. So all these different manifestations of, of, of the Holy Spirit, and it, he looks different ways, right? But in this one, it says, um, he looked like divided tongues of fire right, um, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And that made me think about 
like fire. What happens when you're on fire, right? You can't sit peacefully when you're on fire, right? If you was on fire right now, you, there would be no, no shutting you up. There'd be no sitting you down. There'd be no, you'd be running around this place. I'm on fire, right? So it's the same thing for the, for the, the uh, disciples when they, when they received the Holy Spirit, that power came on them and they were, they, I, I find it, I don't think it's a coincidence that it was fire, right? Because they were able to go out there and preach like they were on fire. Like when, when people get saved, right? We say, oh, he's on fire. She's on fire for God. And then somewhere along the line, that fire dies out. But it shouldn't, right? Because the Bible said, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with us forever. And that power is with us forever, right? I find, Like I said, I don't think it was a coincidence that it was tongues of fire. And then it also says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, right? So the other symbol or sign that they were filled was that they spoke in other tongues, right? Uh, we all know Petey's big on speaking in tongues here. <laughs> Everybody knows that. And so this is the reason why. That is the manifestation. Tongues are the manifestation, the outward appearance of the Holy Spirit in you. So um, if you don't speak in tongues for any other reason, it should just be just the glorified God that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So if you jump down a little bit further, we go down to, I think it was Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. And so now they're on fire. They're on fire for God. They're running around. They're, they're, they're shouting for joy. Um, I can imagine they probably just, you know, brung the whole house down, just running around and just like, so excited that they received this power. And so they, they, I'm assuming at some point they get outside and there's all these people around and it says, how is it that we hear, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 8, how is it that we hear each of these, actually, let's go to verse 7 first. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Right? And then it goes down and it names all the, these Middle Eastern countries um, from all these people from all around. And then you jump down and it says, to verse 11, it says, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So clearly, this is the Holy Spirit. Like we said earlier, the Holy Spirit. He can't speak of anything other than what Jesus tells him, right? So he's speaking through them in other tongues. They're all from the same, they're all from Galilee, right? But he's speaking through them in all these other different languages. And there's probably about, I think they, they named about 13 in there. And all these people here in different languages, them glorifying the works of God, them glorifying Jesus, them, them testifying of Jesus. So Peter, being Peter, took this opportunity to jump up and preach, <laughs> Right. So if you turn over to Acts chapter two, verse 14, Peter said, but standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, all who, and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these are these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which the third hour day of nobody don't know. That's like noonday. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he goes through the, pro the prophecy. Right. And then he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed. You crucified and killed by the hands of a lawless man. God raised him up, loosened the pangs of death because of it was not. So he's preaching the gospel here. That's what Peter's doing. He's preaching the gospel. And if we go a little bit further, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if we go a little bit further, we find out 
that they heard him. And then I think it was 3,000 or some odd people got saved. And they also received the Holy Spirit. And right. All right. So this is. Uh, so how do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you know if you have that power? Right. The, well, the first evidence we just talked about is speaking in tongues. Right. So let's. Let's just solidify that a little bit more. Let's go. There's five examples. We just covered one, which was Acts um, chapter 2. There's another example in Acts chapter 8 that shows the same thing, right? So out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I'm telling you that speaking in tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. So let's make sure that I'm right, right? Um, Acts chapter 8, verse, uh, we start in verse 5. So, um, if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 8, verse 5, and it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. Right. So clear. Philip goes down to Samaria. He starts preaching Christ to them. And people are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Things are happening, right? God is performing all these miracles through Philip. So then if you jump to verse 12, it says, uh, But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, even Simon himself, who they talk about Simon a little bit earlier, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So right here we see they believed, right? And then they were baptized, right? Um, and then if we jump down a little bit further, it says now, verse 14, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So basically they had only been water baptized. Um, that's what we would call it today, right? They had only been baptized in water. They got saved and were baptized in water. But when the apostles heard it, they said, all right, let, we need to send Peter and John so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Right. right? So, again, Jesus is um, through the word. Jesus is saying you can't go out and live this life without being baptized, without receiving Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit. Right. Because that is the power. Like you said earlier, that is the power. And we talk about, you know, the gospel is the power unto salvation. Right. Yeah, that's the power unto salvation. But then what do you do after that? Right. Where do you get the power after that? That is the Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how did how did this happen? How do we know that they received the Holy Spirit? How do we know that they started speaking in tongues? If you go down uh, verse 17, it says, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So how did he know? Right. How did he know? Clearly, there was some kind of sign that showed him that by laying on of hands and praying to receive the Holy Spirit that they would receive. Right. So clearly there's some kind of evidence there. We don't know exactly. It clearly wasn't miracles because we saw that Peter uh, Philip was performing miracles and people were getting healed and delivered and the lame were walking and all these different things. So it wasn't those type of miracles, obviously, because those were happening before they received the Holy Spirit. So what is the only other sign? Based on the other scriptures that we already went over, it must have been speaking in tongues. 
right? Because he, he had to be amazed. He was amazed. And he said, how can I, basically, how can I buy this power? How can I get this, right? So let's go to another example, because y'all still don't believe me. Um, let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 10. And we all know this one, right? So this is Saul, later to become Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, the, one of the, probably one of the mightiest men of God in the Bible. So before that, we all know he was a persecutor. He was persecuting Christians. He was going out around killing Christians, imprisoning them. All these things. So he's on his way to, to he's on the road to Damascus. He's bound for Ju Jerusalem. I mean, he's on his way to Damascus to bring them back to Jerusalem. He had an order from the, I believe it was the governor or, or whoever the person in charge, um, to bring all these Christians back to Jerusalem and imprison them. Right. So he's on his way, and as he's on his way, he meets Jesus. Right. And so, in chapter nine, verse four, uh, actually verse three, it says, "Now he went on his way." He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now it's in red in my Bible. So that means it must be Jesus talking. Right. Um, and so he said, so Jesus is speaking to Saul, eventually Paul, and saying, why are you per persecuting me? Why are you persecuting my people? Right. And he, and he continues on to say, I am. Jesus. Well, Saul says, who are you? So he says, who are you, Lord? Right. And, and then. Jesus says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now, something that people miss in this, this scripture is that right there is when Saul, uh, when Saul got saved, right? Right there, because what does he say? He says, who are you, Lord, capital L, right? So right there, he, he's acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And then we know that Saul wrote Romans, right? In Romans 10, 9, what does Romans 10, 9 says? For if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved, right? So, right there is when Saul got saved, right? And then eventually he becomes Paul. So, if we jump down a little bit, it's like, okay, well, that's cool. He got saved. and But that doesn't mean anything because, you know, he didn't receive the Holy Spirit yet, right? You're not proving nothing, right? Okay, I'm going to prove it to you right here. So, we jump down, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. And he says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the, the street called Street. And at the house of Judas, look for a man, named, a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias goes back and forth a little bit like, God, why do you want me to do this? Because, you know, this guy has been killing Christians. He's been persecuting them. And so then Jesus go, uh, God, Jesus speaks to him and he says, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how much he has to suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul. So if you didn't think Saul got saved before, right there shows you he got saved because he said brother Saul, right? Um, the Lord Jesus who had appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that he may that you may regain your sight and be filled with the holy spirit and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes he regained his sight then he rose and was baptized so clearly it's two separate things again he he received the holy spirit by the laying on of hands but then he was baptized after right so again like i said before it's two separate experiences it's um but so you're like okay 
that he was he received the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean he speaks in tongues, right? But we all know that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and so we go over to 1 Corinthians 14, verse, I think it's, I forgot now, I think it was 14.22? No, I'm sorry, not that one. Um, I actually didn't write it down. But uh, in 1 Corinthians verse four, chapter 14, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all, right? So clearly it's Paul spoke in tongues, right? And based on context clues, right, he spoke in tongues that day. That was when he received the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you one more example. Actually, I think I got two more. So stay in Acts. If you're still in Acts, stay in Acts because all these happen in the book of Acts. Chapter 10, verse 44. Yeah, chapter 10, verse 44. So, um, just to give you a little context, prior to verse 44, Peter's in, um, Peter has a vision. There's a he's, he falls. In, he's he's he, he has a vision from God, and this this sheet white sheet comes down, and there's all these animals on it, clean and unclean. And God says to Peter, "Rise up and eat, kill and eat." And Peter says, "No, I've never had. I've never eaten anything unclean." And God says, "Why would you, why would you call what I've made clean unclean or common?" Um, and then he says, and then God says, you know, God basically shows him that this is going to be him. This is the vision for him to go and preach to the Gentiles. And so God tells him that someone is coming to take him to preach to the Gentiles. So when we jump down to verse 44. Peter goes to a man named Cornelius and he's preaching to them. And they, they, they're already they're kind of already believers. Um, they, they know that Jesus is real. They they know that Jesus was anointed and the son of God, but they haven't really heard the gospel yet. So um, Peter gets to them. He starts pre preaching to them about, about God. God and and um, actually, the header in my Bible says, um, Gentiles hear the good news, right? And we know the good news is the gospel. So Peter starts preaching to them about Jesus. He preaches the gospel. And while he's preaching, so this is where we jump in, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. At this point, nobody else but the the um, Jewish had received the Holy Spirit, right? So at this time, at this time, everybody who was with Peter was thinking like, "Oh, it's it's not for the Gentiles; it's only for the Jew," right? So that they were amazed. They were like, "How how is it that they're receiving the Holy Spirit?" Right? And it says, "For they were hearing them speak in tongues." And extolling God, then Peter declared, "Can anyone, anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who received the Holy Spirit just as we have?" So again, the evidence here is they were they received the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in tongues. And extolling actually just means to proclaim um, joyously or fervently, uh, to or to praise fervently and, and joyously. So they were they were speaking in tongues and praising God basically. So if that's number four, now, now the last one, the fifth one, let's go to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland, the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So again, same thing. This is a separate experience from just believing and being baptized in water. 
these men had obviously already believed. They already been baptized because Paul Paul had already, you know, he he's going to them saying, Did, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they said, no, we had not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, and he said, into what then were you baptized? Then they said, into John's baptism. So John's baptism is basically water baptism, right? We know John was out and he was baptizing people with water. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. So he baptized them again because the first time they were baptized, they were baptized for expecting Jesus to come. But now he's saying Jesus has already came. So we need to baptize you again in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. They were about 12 men in all. And um, some scholars say that there were also women and children there. They just don't name them. They don't number them. So again, we see Paul went and he's, he's talking to believers and he's saying, like, well, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? Because the expectation is once you, once you believe, then the expectation, the next thing, the next step is you need to receive the Holy Spirit to make it through this walk, right? We need him here with us. Like Jesus said, I will send the helper, the comforter to be with you forever, right? He's going to be with us forever. So um, again, Paul is saying, like, how are you? You can't do this without him. So you need to be received. And so he prays for them. He baptizes them and he lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So you're probably saying, all right, that's all cool. That's well and good. But why do I need to do it, right? These are, this is 2,000 years ago or whatever. Why do I need to speak in tongues? Why do I need the Holy Spirit, right? So, number one, like I said earlier, tongues is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. So, 1 Corinthians 14.22. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 14.22. It says, Thus, tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign for... Is, while prophecy is not a sign for unbelievers, but for believers. So again, just like we heard in Acts chapter 2 and in um, Acts chapter 10 and um, Acts chapter 19, anytime you speak in tongues, typically in, in the public setting when you're first baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, a lot of times, at least we see in the Bible, and this is not for everything, but in the Bible we see that they're always praising the mighty works of God. They're always giving, they're declaring God in their own whatever tongue that the, the, the Holy Spirit gives them to speak in. So that's the evidence to the unbeliever that you have received the Holy Spirit, right? Because as believers, we already know that. We already know that because we have the same Spirit. The, the Bible says the same Spirit that dwells in you, right? So we have that same Spirit. So we already know that. So it's a sign for unbelievers that you receive the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, another one, uh, like I said earlier, Acts chapter 2, verse 8. For they all heard in their own tongue them extolling the works of God. So like I said, extolling just means to praise fervently or um, ecstatically or excitedly. And then John chapter 14, verse 17, I'm not going to go there, but it says, you know, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, right? So the world can't receive the Holy Spirit, therefore they can't speak in tongues. They can speak in a tongue, whatever their native tongue is, or maybe they learned a few different languages, so maybe they can do a few different tongues, but supernaturally they can only speak in one or two tongues right? Whatever they learned, right? But the Holy Spirit gives us utterance to speak in whatever tongue that he provides us, right? Um, so, and then uh, another reason to speak in tongues is tongues is, is for the building up of your spirit 
your inner spirit and faith, right? So if we go to Jude chapter 20. Jude, yeah, it's, it's one book. <laughs> People are like, Jude, what? Jude, that ain't in my Bible. <laughs> I don't know I don't know this Jude you're talking about. Um, it's actually the last book before Revelations. <laughs> so if we go to Jude, uh, verse 20, I think I said chapter 20 earlier. I meant to say verse 20 because there's only one book. Um, Jude, verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So again, Jude is talking about building up your most holy, building yourself up in your most holy faith by speaking in tongues. You're exercising your faith. Um, you're 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 relying on God to give you the words to say, right? Just like I stand, like I'm standing up here and I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to 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 bring back to my remembrance everything I studied over the week, over the years, um, everything that I've learned, and and trusting in Him to to. I'm exercising my faith, right? That's the same thing with tongues. It's more supernatural, I think, because you don't know what you're going to say. You don't know the words. You haven't studied this stuff. You can you can fake it till you make it with other things. You can't fake it till you make it with tongues, right? Uh, so you have to have, receive that power and you exercise that by praying every day. Um, and even Jude says, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Um, and uh, there's a comma there, which means that you're keeping yourself in the love of God by praying in the Holy Spirit, right? So you, uh, a lot of times when you're confronted with things, my my first reaction, thanks to PD, is to pray in tongues, right? Because I want to keep myself, I want to keep my mind, I want to keep my focus on what God is telling me, what God is trying to keep me where I'm at, right? Um, or where I should be, I should say, not where I'm at. Um, so you look at uh, another verse, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Um, Jesus, uh, Paul is speaking and he says, the one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So again, when you speak in tongues, you speak and you build up yourself, you build up your spirit, you build up your faith, right? But, um, and then he talks about, because if you know, like PD talked about a couple weeks ago about knowing the context of the scripture, you know, historically, as well as just in the, in the passages. But historically, we know that the first the, the Corinthian church, they wanted nothing more than just to speak in tongues. They wanted to come to church and speak in tongues. And Paul even actually addresses it in um, verse, I think it's 11 or 12. He said, oh, yeah, 12. So he says, with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So obviously they were eager to do anything that was a manifestation of the spirit. I mean, the, the like earlier he talks about the spiritual, the nine spiritual gifts. And so they were they were running around and they were trying to, that's all they wanted to do. They wanted to perform miracles. They wanted to, you know, um, utilize the, the spiritual gifts, discernment and word of wisdom and word of knowledge and and uh, even and speaking in tongues. And so everybody wanted to come and just, just speak in tongues all the time. And so Paul was saying, like, whoa, 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 that's great. I'm glad. And that's why he comes and he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So he's saying, like, that's great that you want to speak in tongues. But there are there's a time and a place. You got to do it in order. Right. So later on, he says, if you if you if you if, if you want to speak in tongues in public or in the, in the public service, like right now in the church service, if there's not an interpreter, then you should stay and speak quietly to yourself. Pray to yourself. Right. Um, so in this passage he's saying the one who's 
who speaks in tongues is building up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So again, if you put tongues and interpretation together, then it, it becomes prophecy. But by itself, you're just building yourself up, right? And then um, he also says later on that you should pray. And if, if any man speaks in a tongue, he should pray for interpretation, right? And that's even in your personal time. Like now that, some, now that I've been learning this, that's something that I do more. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm like, God, grant me the interpretation. Holy Spirit, grant me the interpretation. Help me understand what, you're, what I'm saying. Because like, and I'm kind of actually getting ahead of myself, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, right? So he says, I'll pray in, I will pray in the tongue, I will pray in tongues in the spirit, and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing in tongues or the spirit, I will sing with my mind also. So the reason why is because if you're praying, you have no idea what you're saying, sometimes that, that's not helpful. It's building up your spirit, but it doesn't help you in your current situation. And you're, you're like, okay, that felt great. I feel good. But now what? <laughs> right? <laughs> I still don't know how to, how to fix this problem. Right? So you pray for interpretation and say, all right, God, what should, I, what should I do? What I need to understand. And the reason why you would even pray in tongues in the first place is because, you know, the Bible says we don't know how to pray as we should. We don't know how to pray as we should. So if you go over to uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to show y'all, so, you know, because like PD says, some of y'all don't believe me. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, um, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The spirit helps us, capital S. So it's not our spirits. It's the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the he he who searches hearts knows what it is. Ah, this poetic. <laughs> he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love, and we all we all quote that verse all the time, right? Those who, who love God, all things work together for His good. But a lot of people miss that first part. It's like we don't know how to pray for it as we should. We don't know how to pray for as we are, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. And it says, He knows. He knows because He searches the hearts. He knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He knows uh, He knows the, the what is the mind of the Spirit and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So right there is saying the Spirit which helps us to pray in tongues, the Spirit who speaks through us in tongues, is praying and interceding for us for the will of God. Right. Because he searches the hearts. He knows what we need more, way more than we do. Right. So that brings me to my next point. So tongues is for prayer and for worship. So clearly we see here tongues is for prayer. And Romans chapter eight, verse 26 says, like Paul said earlier, I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with my mind also. Right. Um, like I said earlier, you want to pray for interpretation. So first Corinthians 14, 13. Actually, let me just go there, go back to there, because I'm going to be there anyway. First um, Corinthians 14, 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is un unfruitful. Um, so again, you should pray for interpretation, right? Um, you also want to, uh, first Thessalonians, 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 19 says pray without ceasing, right? So you want to pray always, right? And I don't know about you, but I run out of things to pray for. I run out of things to say sometimes when I'm praying. Like I, I, I listen to people who talk about they pray for five hours, six hours. And I'm like, how do you, like, I can't, I don't even think I can talk for five or six hours, let alone pray for five or six hours, right? So what do you do? You don't, again, you go back to, you combine Romans 8.26 and you say, okay, I don't know what to pray for. So after I run out of things to pray for with my mentally, right, I still have the spirit to continue praying on, praying without ceasing, praying. Um, I pray all the time in tongues. I know PD does it. Like PD always talks about how, you know, on the drive up here, he's praying in tongues under his breath. Um, I've been with him and we've done uh, many a time that he's just praying. I'm, I'm listening to him. I hear him. So, you know, just, and I'm like, oh, he's, you know, um, praying in tongues. Uh, the long drives to South Jersey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, you want to always be praying, praying without ceasing. You want to always keep your, uh, I think Petey said it, I remember, well, I know Petey said it last week about um, one of the applications of being in the classroom of the Holy Spirit was um, praying and acknowledge him always, you know, always acknowledging him in your prayers. And, and one way to do that is to um you pray in tongues, right? Because you need his help in order for you to pray in tongues. Um, you want to pray pray in tongues to pray out the perfect will of God. So like I said earlier in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he knows the perfect will of God. Who, who knows the perfect will of God better than him? We go back to John 14, and he said, you know, um, he will only pray, he only pray, he'll only speak of what I tell him to, right? The Spirit would only speak what Jesus tells him. So that means he knows the will of God. And that means that that's the only thing he's going to cause you to pray for. First Corinthians, jump, jump over to first Corinthians 14, two. He says, for one who speaks in a tongue um, and King James says an, an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So, again, we're, we're we don't understand what we're saying. People around us might not understand what we're saying, but God understands what we're saying, and we're praying out his perfect will. Those mysteries, I'm convinced, are the perfect will of God. Those are the things that we don't know. Because, you know, Paul said we see through a glass dimly. We don't know. We don't see everything. We, we know in part. We prophesy in part. And um, So we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what we're praying for. And so sometimes in order to know the will of God, pray in tongues. People say, oh, how do I know? The will of God, pray in tongues and pray for interpretation and you'll get the will of God. Um, and my last point, um, pray in tongues to manifest the power of God in your life. I don't have any scriptures for it, but based on everything we talked about already, if you pray in tongues, Jesus said multiple times, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, anytime the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in you, is in you. And so you just want to man every time you want to manifest that you're praying in tongues and, and utilizing that interpretation and the gifts of the spirit. And so that I think is my close. <laughs>
contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.